A little disclaimer before we get rolling here. You're about to hear some ads. They are all from local entities that want to support the baseball community. A lot of these guys have deep connections. We're players themselves. So if you see having a need for any one of these services, please go patronize these guys. Thank you. I'm extremely excited to announce that this episode is being brought to you by DC Kitchens. In the greater Louisville area, phone number 502-296-7574. That's right. This is Don Cunningham himself. The man that raised the man, this is Wes's dad. Uh, This is a master craftsman. This guy has been at it for 43 plus years working on kitchens, working on his craft. Uh, If you think back to the golden rule of spending 10,000 hours on something to become a master, try more like 100,000 hours for Don. And not for nothing, he's a cool guy, he's got a cool vibe. Go see him, he will get your kitchen right. Thanks, Don. We are also brought to you by Rude Boards a custom skateboard company located in Cincinnati, Ohio, made by none other than the legend himself, Wes Cunningham. They're hand-pressed, hand-shaped, hand-painted, hand-stained. He's built quite the following on Instagram. This is not some rinky-dink little thing. Uh, He has over 13,000 followers. Go find him on Instagram at rude underscore boards, or you can contact him via email wscunningham1 at gmail. Talk about a guy living his life authentically. It's Wes. Go get a rude board. We are also brought to you by Chad Marshick and Body Symmetry, located at 2201 West White Oaks Drive, 217-793-9972, bodysymmetry.com. Go see Chad Marshick, the owner, for all your personal training needs. He was the trainer to Ryan O'Malley, Jason and Justin Knaler, Eric Yokish. He can train any population. He's one of my favorite people in the world. We really appreciate you, Body Symmetry. Go see Chad and his team of trainers. It brings me great pleasure to announce that we are now brought to you by Iron Palm Coffee, located in the parking lot at Soccer World, Lawrence and Durkin, right off Veterans Parkway. This is a long time coming. This is a good friend of mine, uh, a very inspirational friend of mine. He's had this vision for years, finally coming to fruition. He fell in love with the coffee business many years ago because it connects people. It brings people together. Uh, Personally, I am forever in debt to this guy and his story. It's inspirational. He's been through a ton. Um, I think he's a warrior and a champion of a person. Uh, So go see Iron Palm Coffee in the parking lot of Soccer World. Put some iron in your blood. We appreciate you, Iron Palm Coffee. We are also brought to you by Sitco Chiropractic, located at 205 North Grand Avenue, 217-525-2035, sitcochiropractic.com. I'm talking Dr. Steve, Dr. Casey, Dr. Kyle. Uh, these are some chiropractic son of a guns. Love the Sitco family. Older brother Tyler was a heck of a baseball player at SHG and SCI. Go see them for all your chiro needs, lifestyle choices, nutritional counseling. They do it all. Great, great family, great guys. Thanks, Sitcos. We are also brought to you by Josh Badman of Radon Fighters. He can be reached at 217-823-9536. This is a great guy. He's my fellow firefighter. Use post-game spread as a code to save 25 bucks on a radon inspection. If you're uh, buying a home or just want peace of mind <clears throat> for radon in your house, please give Josh a call. He was a standout player at Morrisonville back in the day and then played at SCI for Coach Tour in the early 2000s. 
Go see Radon Fighters. We are also brought to you by Cardinal Cleaning. They can be reached at cardinalcleaningonline.com and 217-679-6567. Uh, the owner-operator, Adam Springer, local baseball dude, family friend, standout at Chatham-Glenwood in the mid-'90s, also had a stellar career at Rend Lake in Kentucky Wesleyan. Cardinal Cleaning can take care of any cleaning needs you have, home, business, restaurant, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, Whatever you need, they can take care of you. Get a hold of Cardinal Cleaning. They'll do the rest. Hey, buddy. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is going to be our, our part two here, so super excited about that. It's been going amazing. We're, we kind of left it off right after his, his freshman year and kind of how, how, how that all went for you, how it unfolded. I, I loved how we, how we left it. Summer ball. So getting into summer ball, and this is like a big thing that guys do, you know, and Division one, if you're trying to make it, if you're trying to progress your career. But from what I think I know, you didn't play in any of these like prospect collegiate leagues until a little bit later. Is that accurate? That is correct. There was a uh, a small league, and saying league is being very generous with it uh, <laughs> in Louisville. Um, I I want to say it was just called like Derby City or something like that, uh, and it was very informal. Um, a lot of college players who just kind of you wanted to keep your skills somewhat sharp, but didn't yeah. want the, you know, grind of a real yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, I could work a job, I could have some fun summertime and I could still play some ball. Yeah. Uh, and I did Derby city. I want to say both my first two summers. Um, and, uh, you know, it was kind of this, I remember after the first year, it actually kind of reinvigorated me. You know, I, I kind of came into a, a pretty informal league as like, hey, I'm a D1 guy. Yeah. Nobody needs to know that I was just the bullpen catcher here. But I come <laughs> in, you know, uh, and, you know, I'm playing with guys who are like straight out of high school or, you know, uh, we're trying out for their team the next year, you know, yeah. things like that. So, like, I kind of come in thinking, you know, it, it kind of builds my confidence back up and I, I play well in the few games we play. I don't think anybody anywhere was keeping statistics yeah uh in fact i know some guys who um from the louisville area would you know when they found themselves back in town they would have a team that they would try to suit up for you know it was very informal you got out of it what you wanted um and i enjoyed it you know it, it kind of it gave me a break from the grind yeah of college ball Oh, a hundred percent. And and it kind of gave me that break. Um, But it also, like I said, it allowed me to stay in the game. It allowed me to, um, you know, get some swings, get some innings in. And uh, it was overall a good experience. I don't think it, it really, I don't think it impacted me one way or the other, but uh, it was a good experience. Let me ask you, where was your head at? Where was your, your, your confidence at after that kind of freshman year? I'm like, where you thought you, your, your place was going to be on this, on this team and this program? So I don't think I had any idea where I was going to be the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I kind of had this naive view of like, well, I'll be a sophomore. So naturally, sophomores play more than freshmen. Yeah. You know, kind of just this, the longer you're, you know, the longer you're there, you'll obviously move up, you know, just kind of this naive view of things but at the same time like my closest friends on the team at the time weren't really getting playing time either 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Kyle got some, but he was he was by no means you know starting every game. He was playing more than I was. Uh, Baldini had a good start of the year, but towards the end of the year wasn't playing much from uh, injuries right. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then some of the other guys in my class uh, redshirted that first year. Right. Um, you know, so I didn't. I wasn't disheartened by any means. Um, yeah. uh, I, I was. I was still very. I would say optimistic. I, I just kind of had this idea that like, all right, first year's under my belt. Let's see what next year brings. Yeah. Is, is that, you know, I, I, I kind of think of you in, in a way as kind of an optimist. Is that something that is in you? Was that cultivated? Is that in the, a Cunningham household thing? Or I think it's definitely a, a Cunningham trait, but it's something that I, I think I had to work at more than, or at least it seemed like it came nat- more naturally to my brother and parents, uh, okay. which that could just be me not understanding that they had to do the same amount of work, but um, I definitely felt like I had to work at it, but it was something I, it was definitely intentional um, to try to, you know, get that optimistic mentality. I mean, cause a lot of like, I keep coming back to the, you know, the the kind of subculture that I was, I gravitated to the punk rock, um, you know, the culture itself was, was very much a positive family place, you know, where you felt you were accepted no matter what. Um, but a lot of like the, 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 the themes of, you know, the bands, the music, the lyrics are, are a lot more about like, you know, discontent and the, you know, crappy way of the world at that point. And so like, it was definitely something that I had to intentionally, um, kind of force myself to to have yeah. that Interesting. Uh, optimistic mentality but it was it, it once i figured it out it came pretty naturally i love it yeah and uh you had a really interesting sophomore year from my perspective this would have been my last year at murray state and you know you ended up being all obc as a designated mm-hmm. hitter hit 380 but not not allowed 380 you know there was a lot of and, and you yourself said it during during the run with with the with the racers podcast you know you you did a lot of things to get on base, whether it was beating it into the ground or, you know, bunting or getting it through. I mean, you were obviously very fast. You were a six five sixty guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I thought you were honestly the best that I ever saw in my in in all my all my time in baseball on getting out of the box when you swung. It felt like when your swing was done, it seemed like you were five steps out of the box and like you were beating out stuff. If you if you made the shortstop move two feet to the left, you were beating it out, and that's. That's saying a lot in Division One baseball. Those should not be hits in any way. I agree, and uh, I, it was—it became kind of an inside joke uh, among the team. You know, my number was thirty-eight, and people started calling it the thirty-eight special um, <laughs> when when I would get my infield singles or when yeah. I would, you yeah. know, because uh, whether it was, you know, at first it kind of started as you know things that I would force into hits. I would, I would as you said kind of cultivate these hits out of you know not squaring the ball up or whatever but as the season progressed and as the scouting report started to catch up some of those hits came because the you know the infielders would rush themselves because that you know in their head it's like this guy's gonna beat it out so I've gotta you know and and so it kind of worked in my favor but a lot of that early sophomore year um it was doing anything I could to get on base so that I could have the time I needed to figure out my swing. Yeah. I love that. Um, and, and every once in a while you would charge one. So it would be like, you know, there'd be bloops and hammered into the ground, but then every once in a while you would backspin one and you'd be like, Whoa. Yeah. 
okay, it, so there's something there. He just needs to be able to do it consistently. Exactly. And it was, you know, it was a lot of kind of trial and error. And it was like, all right, I need, you know, I need to do whatever I can to stay in the lineup because that's yeah. the only way I'm going to get comfortable in the box. That's the only right. way I'm going to get comfortable with my swing and figuring out how to make my weird swing work. Because, yeah. I mean, my swing was far from my Uncon- stance. Unconventional. Very unconventional. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of this trial and error thing that I'm, I'm fortunate that I had the other tools to kind of allow myself to stay in the lineup. Um, hey, when, and, you're, when you're talking trial and error, uh, interesting thing during the running with the with the racers, you you talked about working with a couple of teammates on your swing. Would that have been like KT, mm-hmm. who, is yeah. that who you were in the lab essentially figuring yeah. it out with? Uh, so yeah, KT and I, we would, you know, he was Coach Max. We all joke. We, you son. know, he was he was the he was Coach Max's son. He was the golden boy. <laughs> um, and so I remember he would get, you know, access to places and things where others might not. If like if I would have gone and said, hey, uh, can I have the keys to the batting cage and some balls, you know, on this random off time, they might have been like, eh, but KT could get it whenever. And, you know, I was doing a lot of I kind of carried over a lot of that uh, um, extracurricular work that I had started putting in my freshman year into sophomore yeah. year. And KT was with me a lot of that. I mean, we would yeah. go to the to uh, get extra workouts in at the rec center yeah. on campus and we would go get extra, you know, hacks in. Cause I mean, Kyle, like you, and like I said, T.O., I mean, you guys are those guys who understand the game and, you know, uh, can, can look at somebody and kind of help point out what, yeah what's not working right and what's not sure. You know, I mean, I was fortunate enough, but you three, and then one other person comes to mind, Jason laws. I mean, I was fortunate to play with you guys who, who understood the game in a way that I just fundamentally didn't. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, Kyle and I had developed such a great friendship that, yeah. you know, we were able to roll it over into some extra practice as well. He had a beautiful swing too, if I, if I remember right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just was, lo- lovely lefty smooth, you know, yeah. all around, man. He was just, he was, he was a ball player. I he mean, was. he was, he was a, a top prospect at a high school. I mean, he's yeah, big time. Yeah, he, he he has a he had a lot of a lot of prospects. Um, he battled some injury uh, yeah. late in his Murray State career, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I, I was just kind of doing anything I could to figure out how to stop the the negative sides of my swing and approach, and you know forced re- I reached a point where instead of trying to fix things and and make my swing look like everyone else's I tried to figure out all right how do I minimize the mistakes in my swing and make my swing work oh that's um, dude I love and that that's kind of what I did and uh you know that resulted in my really as you said unconventional stance and swing I mean I was spread oh. out of almost the entire yeah my, I was the, my legs were about as the the full width of the batter's box apart. Uh, Here we go, dude! I have the perfect clip to play right now. It's absolutely yeah. perfect. This is uh, Zach Noonan, Trubs himself. What, oh what, yeah! What, what works for Wes? I think that he figured out what worked best for him and stopped listening to the noise. He was Wes is the most unathletic, athletic guy you'll ever meet especially on a base great way to put that yeah he didn't look like 
he knew how to swing, didn't look like he knew how to throw, didn't look like he knew how to run, but he could throw harder than you. He ran faster than you. He hit the ball further than you. But he did it He did it all in Wes's way. And I think it finally yeah. got to the point where he matured enough in accepting who he was that he stopped listening to the outside noise and was like, I'm just going to be Wes. And by that time, yeah. it was around his junior year, and it truthfully showed – especially numbers-wise on the field, what he was actually capable of. That's, that's, a, that's a cool clip by Nooney there. That is, man. That's well said. And he's he's one of the ones that uh, I've been fortunate enough to keep in, in, in touch with at those uh, alumni golf outings. He comes every year because yeah. he still lives right around Murray. But, I mean, he he nailed it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was not the conventional ball player. And I think no. a lot of that stems from, you know, the – the lack of hands-on coaching early yeah. on, but also like, like you, like, like we'd talked about, you know, I wasn't watching it all the time. I wasn't emulating right. Right. what other people were doing. I was just kind of going out there and yeah. somehow making it work. And, and sophomore year, that's, that's what it was all about. That's, well, I've got a, I've got a perfect other clip then. I mean, you just, you're, you're just leading me into these clips here, Wes. Perfect. This is going to be uh McFarlane, uh, Seth, Seth McFarlane, meaty. He's our meaty boy, uh, yeah. Wes's baseball knowledge. Cool. <laughs> and I also think whenever he was at the plate in his early success, I think that his baseball knowledge wasn't as high as a lot of the other batters. So he didn't really get himself, didn't really get in his head that much. He just kind of reacted. He yeah. Just, he just kind of see, see ball, hit ball. And he kind of just dumbed it down for himself to where he, he wasn't ever thinking. You know, he wasn't thinking I, about counts. Yeah. He wasn't looking at, you know, the pitcher's tendencies. I think he just got up there and, and had fun. Dude. And I, it's, I, 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 I so agree with this. Your, like, kind of unconventionalness, Westness, played perfectly for you. Like, it played in your favor in a positive way, right? Yeah, and I, I like how he kind of, you know, uh, tiptoed around that because he didn't want to come off like – insulting but he's 100 percent. like i yeah. w- i was getting up there and i you know i wasn't in my head as you know and no. it fast forward uh senior year i remember when i when i had scouts starting to come look at me um i had a scout who asked about my grades and i you know he knew that i was you know an academic all-american yeah and he said that was a a, a negative point for him really yeah he said in so many words he said you know, he looks for the not the, the, the athletes that aren't necessarily good students because he doesn't want overthinkers. He doesn't want people who are going to overanalyze things. That's interesting. Um, and now, you know, but you are going, a deep thinker too. On the on the flip well, side, so that's so the that's thing. So right? It's 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 kind of that uh, you know, the yeah. two sides of the of the personality. You know, yeah, like I duality of man. Yeah, I'm I'm overanalyzing things in the on the intellectual and academic side, and and you know, in my personal life, but. On the field, it was very much just like McFarland said. It was, you know, all right. I hope you throw me a fastball here because that's what I want to hit right now. You know, <laughs> that's so perfect, dude. Man, that's perfect. And I love that you can take this in stride too, because there are some funny parts to this. And like, you were not a conventional baseball guy, and like, far from it. We're gonna get into your defensive stuff, but some of that stuff was pretty funny. Like, this was the oh, year that yeah. they. I, essentially they, they kind of moved you to the outfield or tried you in the outfield some can we talk about that yeah so uh i think 
like we talked last time, I think Coach Mack after freshman year realized that I was not going to be the catcher that he was future. looking for. Yeah. yeah. Um, which was good for him because it allowed him yeah. to look to recruit a catcher. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that was the year. Did we get Pettit that year um, as Miller's backup? Was, was that? Sounds right. Yeah. Sounds um, right. So, uh, you know, he could kind of stop thinking about me as, as the catcher. And then with yeah. my speed, the next obvious thing is let's throw him in the outfield. <laughs> but, you know, this is I've D1. This isn't this isn't little league where you put you know <laughs> old Jimmy in right field because his mom wants him to play and he doesn't give a shit. Like this is D one ball yeah. outfielders. You know a good outfielder can can save several runs every yeah. you know every few games. Yep. And uh, so I, I think the natural inclination was all right. Let's put him in the outfield. He's fast. He can run down balls. He's and got then good arm. Like, yeah, he'll figure it out. Yeah. And then they were like, uh, but we've got good outfielders. We don't. We don't need a a a, a void in our outfield. Can, know? I, can I say a few things here? Please about, do. about what I remember. So I, I think we would have had coach. Was it Luke Howard? Was our sophomore? Yeah, your sophomore year. He was only there for a year, right? Yep. He was kind of in charge of the outfielder group, right? Yeah. And I remember them, them first throwing you out there, and uh, I guess I was around him or something. He hit you one, and as soon as you like take off after the ball, your your glove hand goes up. <laughs> and you you run after the ball with your glove hand up the whole way so you're you're, you're covering half the outfield with your glove hand <laughs> in the air and he's like you know he's like what the hell is that boy doing you know? <laughs> i feel like dude i feel like that's something you like see in you know sandlot just put your right. arm up with the glove and he hits the ball right into the glove i was like i've never seen that before yeah <laughs> <laughs> outfield didn't work out but you did eventually and we'll get to it come to find a kind of a home at, at first base and things got better for you there and there's actually a couple cool stories and clips about a really cool play you had your senior year mm-hmm. we'll get yeah. to that but yeah and I, you know that's kind of foreshadowing a little bit is you know um coach mac had the had the fourth thought junior year of like all right where do we find a place for him because yeah a permanent dh there shouldn't be a permanent dh on the d1 team right so, yep, eventually, you know, found a home at first base. We'll get there. Uh, one thing I, I kind of want to highlight before we kind of move off your sophomore year is, man, you were such a weight room warrior, dude. Like, you got after it in there. You were one of the guys that took it serious. We were kind of laughing on, you know, on the opposite side of that is, is Decal, who, <laughs> despite his greatness in baseball, you know, wasn't a big fan of the weight room, was, was, was the king of kind of hiding on, like, a, a leg press or a, a lat pull down and not really doing a whole lot and – but not you. I think you really saw this as an opportunity to to get better, to get stronger, to get faster, to improve. Um, I've got a couple weight room clips here about some guys talking about you in that. So can I just rip through yeah. a couple of them? Let's cool hear them. Uh, Skirka, weight room click. I got to say this. Every time I uh, hear his name, and am I saying it right, Skirka? Mm-hmm. I, I think back to like, is there an Ace Ventura movie where they're like, Chicago or something like that. <laughs> yes. I cannot hear his name without thinking that. So I think when I say his name, I, I say, Skirka. <laughs> anyway, that's my randomness. All right, here we go. Uh, Skirka, weight room clip. Here we go. Yep. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was funny. Um, I used to lift with the guys. Uh, you know, it was just a good time. You know, I was uh, childless at that time. You know, it was just me and my wife and Murray, so I had some extra time. And, and when we went to the weight room in the evenings, it was a good time for me to jump in there with the guys. And, and I just yeah. remember, you know, they'd, they'd get 
done, you know, team break, leave, and Wes would still do like three, at least two or three more sets of of power cleans and deadlift. Yeah. And I was like, holy cow! And that was kind of he was still warming up, you know. Guys were guys were maxing out, and burning out for the end of the day, and and yeah. uh, you know, and going on out in the locker room and and taking it to the house. And here was Wes just still getting after it and, I, and that was that was awesome awesome to see you know i think he set an yeah. example for some younger guys that year um sure. but he showed you know you know especially even in season you know to to maintain that strength and and the drive you know to not not be happy and and i think he was getting hungrier with his success so it was pretty yeah. neat to see cool to hear when you when your coaches talk about you like that right to recognize something like that it really is man and it because you know at the time you know there's there's two kinds of people that, that that do that kind of stuff there's the people who do it just to be seen by the coaches and then there's you know like i yeah. i didn't i didn't even think twice about whether or not that you know it was getting noticed um but it's 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 reaffirming to yeah. to hear that it was getting noticed you know i, I appreciate that and skirk is a skirk is a good dude yeah absolutely and shout out to that guy he has done a fan so he eventually came back you know, he was an assistant, left, went somewhere else for a couple of years, came back, and is now the head coach, and is doing phenomenal there. Like, has really, you know, pumped that that program up. And he's a young guy, and it seems like the, you know the, the the ball players love him there. You guys loved him. I've always heard positive things about him. So he's done. Guy. Oh, he's done so much for the program, both for the current players, for the alumni, getting the alumni back involved. Yeah. He's done. He's like on we it. were talking earlier. The the facilities. I mean, yeah. he's he won't stop. You know, and and I think there's Love there's that. great things ahead for him. Love that. Here we go. We got a. Uh, this is our our final Zach Noonan, Trubs himself uh, clip. This was uh, Wes was was a weight room freak. Can you speak to yeah, that? Yeah, Wes was a freak. Um, yeah. Didn't I don't think it really mattered how he was feeling, whether it was up, down, depressed, happy, hungover, sad, feeling great, whatever it may be, <laughs> yeah. whatever it may be. But when it came to the weight room, dude, no one could show up west that was one thing that he prided himself in was yeah. i think i think that goes back to like his punk rock days of you know right. he wants to wants to be intimidating so when you look at him yeah. you want to have that fear factor and do he own that nooney himself and i've got before we kind of get off your your sophomore year here i've got a uh this and like i remember this this was my last year with you and you know you, you were known to your poor helmet, you know, if, if you had a strikeout <laughs> or if you got out or something like that. Like, <laughs> oh, this man. man would beat up his helmet a little bit. And uh, here we go. This one is called West. All right. This is Seth McFarland meeting. This is West Destruction. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. This is so bad. I, whenever West struck out, I just <laughs> love the destruction that was about to happen in the dugout. <laughs> So I remember that his, his sophomore year. Yeah, he, he would get after it. Man. Oh, his helmet. It, it was it was so dented up. And the, and the metal door was so dented up. I mean, like, Wes had that little room. Like, it was like what people pay money to go break stuff in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dude, 100%, man. But you that... know what? It was all in the name of you really cared. It wasn't yeah. like you were out of control. It was like this guy really cares about doing his best, about winning, and I always, you know, liked that about you. And that, yeah, like I said, you would you would turn that switch it, once it was over. 
it was over. You would let it yep. go and move on. It wasn't like you sat there in the dugout and were like a dark cloud. That's yeah, and and I, I appreciate it. Oh, and I appreciate hearing that because that I, you know, it, it took a while to to get to that point, but it the uh, when I said I only let the temper show in baseball, I I I I flew that flag <laughs> <laughs> pretty frequently. Uh, um, I, I remember uh, one in particular uh, in the dugout. I struck out and I punched a hole through the helmet, and I got pissed and I just threw it in the in the trash can. <laughs> And I remember Calhoun's goofy ass tiptoed over there because he wasn't pitching that game and dug it out of the trash can. And like, at first I was like, just leave it. And then like after the game, he's walking around with a hole in the helmet. I'm just laughing my ass off. I'm like, oh my God. Exactly what I'm talking about. Like you can laugh at yourself where sometimes like, you know, myself, sometimes if I, you know, I probably wouldn't have been able to laugh at, at that moment at that time in my life. And that's awesome that you were able to compartmentalize that. Hey, it's okay. Let's laugh about this. That's hilarious. Before we move on to your junior year here, I've got some more. I've got some meaty quotes that we're going to get through. So yeah, always fun talking with this guy. Him and I have kept in touch over the years. I've got a lot of love for for Big Meaty Boy. Uh, your, your nickname came up a few times. Some guys know you know you as uh, Westicles. Yeah, that's a nickname that we have. Uh, <laughs> he showed up covered in tattoos and skateboarded to his first practice. Um, we came in as freshmen together. Uh, shows up in a beat to shit S10 truck with skater stickers all over it blasting music i have never heard of or wanted to hear <laughs> he didn't act like he looked uh he surprised me on all angles hell he still surprises me uh he wore thrift store suit pants you know to wear that he wore band t-shirts stocking caps never wore a flat bill wore a baseball hat um did west really like baseball a joke obviously uh had, had a confidence about him we kind of laughed about you. Oh, this is another thing about your defense. I hope we can we can still laugh about this. But I remember that your 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 offhand, your your throwing hand would go behind like the basket of, of the glove and mm-hmm. like, help you close it, which is you know a, a unique move. <laughs> Thankfully, I outgrew that one. But yeah, it was very much this just uncertainty of like you know that teaching a kid like all right basket cat you know right. it's like oh man i know the, the people listening can't can't see what i just did in the camera but i'm, I'm mirror, mirroring the you know yeah. closing my hand around the ball as if you're teaching a, a, a child how to field a ground ball yeah so here's here's a great clip uh this is uh mcfarland uh on, on your bat lag here we go he would get fooled and his hands he had the best lag i've ever seen oh yeah well, i mean right. He'd be so far fooled out front, and then he would just all of a sudden slap the ball out of the, out of the damn park. Yeah. Because he could just yeah. keep his damn hands back. But, like, defensively, we were scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he threw that in at the end. <laughs> oh, dude, and it's, it's so spot on. And, like, I, I think if it wasn't so – obvious it wouldn't be as easy to laugh about right. you know what i'm saying like yes. if it was something like i truly like you know struggled at and really tried to remedy you know and like it was it was like a, a sore point for myself. Yeah. like it'd be hard to laugh at but like sure. even at the time I, I i remember this uh this one um day we were practicing out uh, on the football field you know brand new turf football field yep and uh, Coach Mack, every now and then, would throw in some fun during practice. And he'd be like, all right, we're going to do, uh, you know, ESPN top 10 plays to close out, take an infield. 
And so like he would hit like a, you know, a slow chopper to third base, the bare hand and throw across their body, a diving play for the shortstop. And everybody's just making these, you know, we're on turf. So you're just making these outrageous slides and great plays. And then he comes to me last. This is when I'm, I've moved to first base. And he's like, all right, you ready? And he hits me a fly ball. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's cheering for you. And I catch it. And everybody's like, yes, he did it. <laughs> That's so that's so on point because a lot of these guys said that that you know you, you were getting it pretty bad from your teammates about your defense, but you that you wore it that you yeah. you, you took it in stride and laughed oh, about you it. Have you have to, man. Yeah, Otherwise, you'll drive yourself crazy. That's the damn truth. You uh, have to be able to to laugh at yourself. <laughs> so perfect. All right, uh, more some more meaty. Lightly recruited, didn't have a ton of history coming in. A hundred percent should have been redshirted his freshman year. Uh, he also wanted to be Indiana Jones. We'll get to that, which is awesome. I, I bet he never thought of, about pro ball until after his junior year. Uh, drank King Cobras and lifted in the garage after practice. He was so strong. <laughs> unbelievable. I can't wait to get to that. Uh, seemed like he legged out everything, how strong and how big he was. It was incredible. He could absolutely fly. His hands were so great. Always kept that that back, you know, kept, kept, kept his hands loaded. Got extreme barrel lag. So fun to see him play. Um he, he thinks you kind of had an aha moment about how capable you, you truly were with gaining confidence in, in, in the weight room, which is kind of cool. Um, this was funny. At, at parties, Wes would have his iPod in one ear playing beer pong, um, you know, with everyone else, listening to different music. <laughs> yes, that happened? Oh, 100%. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. The, the, the punk rocker <laughs> in me can only take the, the Murray pop country for so long before <laughs> – and I'm I'm too social to just you know sit at home and avoid people. So that's perfect. I would go out and you know, especially during the pre-gaming, I'm like, all right, well, if y'all are gonna listen to John Deere Green or some bullshit, <laughs> then I'm gonna listen to some good music. And... <laughs> I love that, dude. All right, we've got two two meaty clips here, and then we're gonna move on from meaty. This is uh just titled "Meaty Thoughts" because it's kind of like all over the place. So, Seth MacFarlane, meaty thoughts. Kid, the kid was a brain at school. He was super yeah. smart, loved history, you know, yeah. and that kind of carried over. That kind of carried over to his baseball. He he lived in the weight room. He loved. He, he got as many extra at bats as he could. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that he would if he got short of swing because he had because we had ground ball BP. I think he yeah. kind of just said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my lick. I'm gonna run <laughs> to the foul ball. I'm gonna drop a tater because that's what I do in the game, and that's what Jason I'm gonna Payton practice. Style, yeah. That's perfect. We'll, we'll we'll get to ground ball BP. That's we're gonna have a good laugh about that one. And then lastly, uh, McFarland passionate about everything he did. Wes. And Wes was just passionate about everything he did. Okay. And that's something that a lot of people don't have. And I also feel like, you know, he was passionate about his family, about his friends, about, you know, he wanted to become Indiana Jones, and he loved history. And yeah. and then, with when it came to baseball. He was passionate about hitting the ball as far and as hard as possible. I think that's all <laughs> yeah. he really cared about. And I think that's – and even if you go play golf with him today, only thing he cares yeah. about is, like, look how far yeah. I hit that ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, meaty. What a character. Oh, yeah. He, man, and it's he, – he's he makes it back to the golf outing quite a bit. It's he, He's a he's a fun one to reconnect with, man. But he's, he's not wrong, you know, that yeah. – uh, that passion, I think, is, is something I've always kind of prided myself on. Love that. And so now, man, um, wait, what did you do after after this, after your, your sophomore year? So, you know, all you get named all OBC, getting getting some recognition here. 
obviously, I mean, you're already a confident guy, but gaining some more confidence, getting some, you know, accolades here. You, you, do you play that same league again? I did. Uh, I, I, uh, I'd already kind of, um, I needed to work, uh, that summer and, um, you know, I, I still think it was all, it was the level of success. I think at this point that, uh, I was comfortable with kind of anticipating, you know, it was like, Oh, I had a good, I had a good year. You know, I, I didn't blow anyone out of the water with, with, you know, insane numbers, breaking records and stuff, but I had a good year. I was, I was named, uh, you know, yeah. like you said, uh, first team all OBC. So like, but I also, you know, wasn't really thinking about what future there was in baseball. It was just, yeah. all right, I have had another good year. I'm going to do the yeah. same thing I did last year. Um, I you also, hadn't taken uh, this huge monumental step in production either yet. And I'm sure exactly. that was when, like, okay, things oh, are yeah. different now. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I had some uh, fun things already planned that summer. Um, I think so. that would have been the summer my brother and I uh, went to England and Ireland for a couple weeks, you know, and, and so I really had to – uh, bust my butt working back home to be able to afford that. And, mm-hmm. you know, so like it was, it was kind of this intermediary period uh, yeah. where, you know, all right, I'm, I'm feeling more like myself uh, as, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm demonstrating some success and I'm, I'm doing well, yeah. um, but I've not, it hasn't dawned on me what future potential could be there. So yeah. it's kind of this happy place in the middle um, and yeah, so it was kind of more of the same, same as the year before, just kind of took it easy, played some ball. Uh, I, I do think that year, um, I played on a couple like, uh, travel teams is a, is a bad word for it, but it's kind of like the, this young adults some college players and stuff, but we'd play some out of town tournaments yeah. and I did that like here and there, uh, when I could make it work. Yeah. So, you know, we haven't, this is a big part of your story on, I'm, I'm I'm remiss that we haven't talked about it yet, but I mean, at this point, I mean, you've, I'm sure you've probably chosen a major academically mm-hmm. and are pretty deep in that. Did you come into to Murray knowing what you wanted to do pathwise with that or? No, uh, absolutely not. to hear how that um, happened for you. That's kind of another, uh, if you would have told me moment, right? right you know, yeah. like if, if I could go back, uh, if I could go back and tell my high school, you know, history teachers that, hey, I'm going to eventually be a professional historian. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, you mean the guy who slept in class every day, you know, uh, and I, I was fortunate enough uh, that I always, uh, I was always smart, but I was that kind of um, irresponsible smart where I could get away with not paying attention and still get good grades Yeah. Um, in high school and stuff. And so I got good grades all through high school, but I didn't really apply myself. It didn't, nothing really clicked, nothing really um nothing really made me like excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, I got to Murray and yeah. I, I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but your former roommate, Mr. Lucas Allen, who would eventually be my roommate, his fifth year, fifth or sixth year. Was it the seventh year or his eighth year? Yeah. Who knows? He <laughs> lived in our attic. <laughs> um, but he was already, uh, he was already uh, a declared history major. Correct. Yeah. And um, I was undecided, you know, the first year of college, you can get by on just doing um, the uh, prereqs. Ev- or like, the prereqs. Know, yeah. Your that, that, that apply to everything while General you figure study. out your major. Yeah. And he gave me a book or two uh, on 
um, that he really liked. It was historical fiction. So it wasn't, it was based in fact, but it wasn't an actual, you know, yeah. nonfiction um, book. And uh, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I loved it. You know, I read it on the bus. Really? Um, and I absolutely loved it. It was about, and I still remember it. I still consider it uh, one of my favorite books. It's, uh, it was about the Spartan 300 who stood at the Thermopylae Pass. They made that movie 300 about the same story. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it was a book called Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield. Um, and oh, yeah, I know Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. Great historical fiction author. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of ancient stuff, but he also dabbles in like, uh, World War II historical fiction, things like yeah. that. Um, and uh, I read that and I was like, See, this, it, it got me going, you know, like it, I, I, I recognized that it was fiction, but I was still like, I had this kind of aha moment that I'm in college. I can choose what I want to learn. I can take classes that I want to learn about. Yeah. And I was like, this is cool. So, uh, and, you know, you've heard it mentioned a couple of times, the Indiana Jones thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I love, I grew up love, loving Indiana Jones. I didn't realize, and keep in mind, I'm, I'm talking about this uh, fictional archaeologist while I'm in my office surrounded by professional archaeologists. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, I always loved it. And then I get to Murray, and Murray actually had a very reputable um, archaeology professor. Yeah. Uh, and I took an intro class with him, and I really enjoyed his class. I enjoyed the subject matter, and I realized that, like, you know, yeah, I didn't get to beat up as many Nazis as I would have liked, but I could actually like learn archaeology. Yeah. I could learn history. So I, uh, I think it was either end of freshman year or first thing sophomore year, I declared history major, archaeology minor. Wow. Um, and it just it clicked, man. Like yeah. once I realized that number one, I'm paying to come here, so why why throw my money away and not, you yeah. know, give it my best? Um, but also that I can take classes and I can learn things that I enjoy, then it just, it clicked for me. And uh, I, I prided myself on getting great grades on, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I prided myself on my time management um, on getting my work done so I could still have fun. Yeah. Uh, And you were the best at it, dude. Just the best. It was, and I, it's something I still kind of do today. It's, it's um, prioritizing and, not being fortunate enough to not need a lot of sleep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I remember very clearly that moment in college of just realizing like, Hey, there's like, there's something to be said about caring about your education and carry, yeah. you know, caring about, uh, um, you know, learning and furthering yourself academically. Um, yeah. I remember there was one time, I was talked into skipping a class in college. And I remember it was freshman year. And do you remember Chase Barbier? Of course I remember him. Yeah. Love uh, yeah. Good dude. I've talked to him a few times since. Um, yeah, same. I, I still keep in touch with him every once in a while. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was him. We were walking to class and he was like, yeah, it's too beautiful. I don't feel like going to, to class today. And I was like, no, I hate missing class. I hate, I don't, I, I won't do it. I won't do it. I end up giving in to peer pressure. And I think we just sat on a bench or some shit instead of going. I was like, we didn't do anything fun. We didn't do anything epic. We just sat here. I was like, this was, this was a terrible decision. I, had, I felt so guilty. <laughs> Never again. Um, Interesting. But yeah, I, uh, 
but yeah, once I figured out that I, I that I could, you know, do what I loved and, and learn what I loved, then, you know, I, I approached that like I approached yeah. everything else. And, uh, and there, there was a professor there that had a big impact on you, right? Yes. Dr. Dwayne Boland. Yes. Um, rest in peace. He just passed away a couple right. of years ago. Saw that. Um, Coach Mack actually uh, is the one who shared it with me. Um, Dr. Boland was, uh, he's, a, he's a sports historian, a Kentucky native. Uh, he's written a couple books on uh, Adolph Rupp, Rupp Arena. Um, mm-hmm. And he made classes fun. It wasn't the, the stuffy, you know, stereotypical history professor. He made classes fun. He taught uh, history of Kentucky. He, you know, it, just an enjoyable guy all around. Yeah. Um, he came to my Hall of Fame induction. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't even think he was teaching at the time. I think he, he still lived in Murray and, and wanted to support me. Yeah. Um, he did s- something once, and I think this is why Coach Mack uh, uh, associates us so closely is on campus, he once saw Coach Mack and went out of his way to approach him. And, you know, I want to let you know, like, Wes is one of the first student athletes I've had that makes me believe that somebody can be more of the former than just the latter. That's powerful. And I was, you know, oh, wow. I, I was really, I was like, it's, it's one thing to like, you know, put that in a letter of recommendation or something, but it's another thing to go out of your way and, and tell your coach that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Mac had to have loved to hear something like that. Right. That's, what what do you oh, yeah. think? Because especially myself included, a lot of us essentially majored in baseball. Like we took easy classes. Mm-hmm. Some of us did, at least, you know, just we wanted to play baseball. We were trying to make it in pro ball. And we thought, you know, I don't want academics to get in our way. And that was not you. Yeah. And, you know, and we we've all had our own paths to where, you know, we live in a world now where degrees are kind of expected, but most people don't really use their degrees. I'm I'm fortunately one of the one of the ones that, you know, I do. Um but like, yeah, a lot of the guys we played with, it was, you know, I'm here for baseball and we'll figure out the rest later. And um, I admire that, you know, like, and it, it, we were, a lot of our former teammates are super successful these days. And it's, it's yeah. really encouraging to see how much everybody has thrived. Yeah. I've got a perfect clip right now. It's Coach Skirka. Uh, it's called West Bus Trip. So I think it's, it fits right into what we're talking about here. You already know what I'm going to talk about here or what this is going to be? No, but I'm, I'm excited to hear it. Okay, cool. About that. And then I do remember on the bus, you know, I was just kind of walking around one of those longer bus trips that we had and talking to some guys. And, and I think I asked Wes something or we were talking about a game and everybody kind of laughed. And I was like, what? Like, Wes, Wes doesn't watch sports. And I was like, oh, uh-uh. you know, didn't know that. And then I looked down <laughs> and he, he's holding a like a 600 page chinese history book or something and i was like i was blown away i was like oh okay well yeah. I, and like you said i think that you know for him to you know be able to uh get away from the game relax a little bit get his mind off of it I, that could definitely help a guy uh but yeah it was it was unique yeah. you know and just kind of yeah. talking with him he said he wanted to be indiana jones and yeah um you know whatnot <laughs> it just totally. it, he was uh he was unique yeah, not your typical baseball guy by any means. I, I love that you highlighted that. I can totally oh, yeah. see you yeah, having some huge, you know, volume I, book on the bus. <laughs> and uh, occasionally on these uh, road trips, I would uh, 
uh, I'm not going to name any names, but I, I made a little side hustle um, during my college years of uh, writing papers for people. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they, if I got paid well enough and, and some of, some of our teammates were my clients and uh, <laughs> I had some from other, uh, other sports at Murray um, to, to make a little cash on the side. And uh, a few years ago, I was, uh, I was teaching history 101 for a community college in, in Louisville just as a side gig to make a little extra cash. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember thinking, I was like, if only these students knew that like, I'm a stickler for plagiarism, you know? And like, yeah, yeah. If, I was like, if only these students knew that I used to literally write people's papers <laughs> for my style, I used to get paid to help people cheat, but you know, well, mama don't know, won't hurt her. Right. Well, man. We're at a pretty interesting part in your career here, like a real kind of crossroads here, a real level up that, you know, most people don't get to see. I think everyone in college baseball, I think you hope each year you're going to make steps, right? You're going to get a little better, a little better. Um, You know, some guys want to go play pro ball, but everyone hopes they get better each year. This was a huge leap for you, both in just your your overall production. I'm just going to go ahead and, and read your stats out, and we'll talk about your junior year. But my man went on to hit 411. 134 total bases, 11 home runs, 12, 12 doubles, three triples. Uh, you guys were 34 and 21 that year, so a pretty strong year. This is when you guys brought in like D Hill and Probst and some guys that could really swing it and could, could bring some some power to the table as well. So, can we can we just talk about what what clicked for you this junior year? Do you have any thoughts as to why you know this was this huge jump for you? I think the junior year was just kind of the culmination of the work uh, from sophomore year and the experience that I gained from sophomore year of kind of putting in the, the, the extra hours, but also figuring out my swing in a way that I could, I could fully realize my potential. Um, You know, you hear people talking about like, yeah, I'm a strong guy who shouldn't only be hitting infield singles. You know, but what did you figure out? uh, So swing wise, mechanically, um, I like I said, my my feet were set very far apart because as uh, McFarlane mentioned, I had a a habit of, you know, uh, committing too soon, being way out in front. Um, When I before I uh, spread my legs out, um, I would try to take, you know, a step with my swing and that step would sometimes turn two or three steps and I would, Uh you know, get. I, I would just throw my whole rhythm off. So I said, well, screw it. If my legs are already this far apart, if I make my legs so far apart that I can't take a step, then I won't take a step. Oh, and so I spread my legs out. Um, so it was more of just, uh, you know, yeah. my heel would come up instead of me actually like taking my foot off the ground. And yeah. um, similarly, like, you know, McFarland talked a lot about me uh, keeping my hands back. Yeah. Um, when I s- started with my hands, you know, in a more traditional spot, they would go back and immediately come forward or they would wrap, you know, around yeah. my head in a way that, that wouldn't really give me that uh, access, you know, that, that straight path to the ball. Mm-hmm. So I said, if I want my hands to stay back, I'm going to start with them back. So you were starting in like these preset positions. So, mm-hmm. so you could not get into bad places. essentially. Yeah. That's so awesome. I, That's I, I, I figured out where I wanted to be. Um, and I basically started there. And then I, uh, I, it, a lot of the rest was, I still leaked a lot. Like I still would get out in front of my hands, stayed back. And so I, my hands staying back were able to make up 
yeah. for, you know, me getting fooled or, or me being out in front. Yeah. Um, and then it was, you know, it was mentality. Um, I remember hearing something at some point in my life that stuck with me that, you know, like, uh, you can only ever really have three things on your mind that to, to, to like actively, uh, um, address what you're doing like you can't be thinking about 10 things productively yeah um so i would go up and i would have three affirmative thoughts on my mind every time i would go up to bat and it would be be hands back um it it would be sit back hands back and see the ball up wow because i I had a tendency of chasing shit in the dirt left and right i mean yeah and so I, i would go up with just these three things and that would be my approach and then you know I would still get fooled, but having the, the positive, instead of thinking about what I don't want to do, I'm yeah. thinking about what I need to do wow. to be successful. So instead of going up there and be like, don't chase the ball on the ground or yeah. don't chase the ball in the dirt. Those are negative going, commands. Exactly. Right. So, you know, I want to see the ball up. I want to keep my hands back. I want to sit back. Did someone help you cultivate this or did you come up with this on your own? I'm sure the, those three ideas came from just, you know, talking with other people, whether it was coaches or teammates. Uh, I don't, I still don't remember where I, like I heard how simple the, that is. It's so it, simple. It, it really obviously was. it worked for you. And this is when you made this meteoric jump, you know? And, and that was, you know, that was kind of that big, cha- that big change, the, the ability to, to make my strengths work for me instead yeah. of being handcuffed by my, you know, downfalls. Yeah. And like, you know, you were obviously a strong guy in your sophomore year too, but was there a big jump in strength too, or was this all swing change and kind of mentality? Uh, there, there were definitely, I think right around that, you know, let's when turn to 21. I, I think that's when I really kind of came into my man um, body. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think I would have noticed it at the time, but looking back, I, I feel like I, I became more, you know, confident in my body. I became more confident with the workouts that we were doing. I was becoming, you know, I was always putting in the work, but it was still, you know, and you're, you reach that, that point where it's like, all right, I know what I'm doing and I know what I need to do. Um, yeah. I was fortunate enough that we didn't necessarily always have the, be- the best strength coaches, as you know, um, at Murray, but I was fortunate enough to have, you know, people on the team. Show- I remember you showed me some form on cleans. I don't know if you remember this. I had never cleaned before. Hmm. I had never done, uh, power cleans and i was sitting there i was struggling with like a like a low weight well you eventually got awesome with those oh exactly and uh, you you corrected me in the formula because it it, you know instead of just letting gravity kind of do its thing and focus on my form i was trying to you know manhandle the bar up almost like a reverse curl while jumping right and you like talked me through the form and talked me through what i needed to do and it clicked and uh so i think all of these components kind of set me into a place my junior year where, you know, I had confidence in my body at that point. I had confidence in my swing. Um, And as you mentioned at this point, you know, we had some guys on our team who could really hit and had some confidence in my lineup, you know, in our lineup, it was, it was kind of this perfect storm. Exactly. This is the intersection of all these like things you have been doing coming together. And it's like, this is what every ball player hopes, right? They're going to get this season or this jump in production where they take off. And like, and you did, dude. This is one amazing. thing that gets that gets lost. So, uh, junior year, I was batting three hole. Hill was batting behind me. Yeah. Um, 
And he set the home run record that year. He did. He said it was 16. And people, I always give him shit because uh, the next year when they printed the programs, they put my name instead of his as having the 16 home runs. <laughs> and then that year I broke the record. <laughs> he never got to shine then. And so I joked, I was like, I was like, man, I was foreshadowing. They knew that I was going to come for your record. <laughs> but, you know, having him bat behind me, you know, in that three hole, you know, me being in a three hole position, I, they couldn't pitch around me. They couldn't, yeah. you know, like it, it was that junior year was just kind of, like I said, it was just kind of like a perfect storm of, of, positive things that that culminated in me kind of finding my stride i love that uh and you get a bunch of bombs this year and the, the funny thing is is uh there's all kinds of stories about your your, your dad going and chasing home run balls <laughs> and stuff like this and you know all, all, all that all that kind of good stuff um i've got a clip here don uh seventh heaven watch watching wes oh i'm telling you what uh his mom sue and i we, there weren't many games we missed. I mean, we were we were in seventh heaven following his baseball down at Murray State. I mean, we loved driving down there. And, um, yeah, in hindsight, he said, Coach Mack should have redshirted me the first, you know, my freshman year because he says I could have had a little more leverage when it came to the draft. Well, right. you know, hindsight's yeah. twenty twenty, and and sure. And I don't – neither one of us follow that stuff very, very much. You know, in his later years, I can remember – we getting, I was seeking advice from, from coaches and people. Well, what do you think we ought to do? And, you know, he had an agent contact us and, and all that, but you just kind of, you just kind of go through that thing. And it, it really just kind of happens unless you're a mm -hmm. pitcher, as you know, or something like that field positions in that, you know, it, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And sure. the, the fact is that there's no, not much money in that stuff, but the fact that ever, you know, that he was wanted was really super so as far as yeah. watching i mean those were some of the best years of our lives driving down and watching him play ball i i still i still relish seeing him you know he's a little he was a little trimmer now than than than, than he is now but i yeah. love seeing him in a uniform going up to the batter's box and hitting i can't tell you uh blake i can't tell you how many home run balls i went and chased so this is the funny part that I was talking about that I, I want to get to. I can't wait to get to everyone touched on this, that your dad would be essentially like chasing down every, all your home run balls. And he'd be like mm -hmm. chasing with like 12 year olds. He'd be like, you know, going to get these balls. And Oh know. yeah. And, and what a lot of people don't realize is when he was beat out to those balls, he'd buy them from the yeah, kids. He'd pay for them. He'd pay the kids money <laughs> for the balls. And like, you know, and, at the time, it's like, oh, dad, come on. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a college baseball player. But, you know, it, I'm, you know, I'm his youngest. And it, yeah. he's just, as he mentioned, I mean, as you heard it from his mouth, he was, I, I they were my biggest fans. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you know, it's so I, touching for you now, looking back on it. Oh, my God. I mean, and it's not like, like I said, it, it's, it's not like I played at Bellarmine, right, in, in Louisville. Like, Murray's a three and a half hour drive from Louisville. Yeah. Um, the way I drive. So for them, it's closer to four hours, you know, and they, uh, and they would come down all throughout the season. Um, there were yeah. games that were so cold. My mom would stay in the car. They'd park in a way where she could see the game from the car. Wow. Um, and it, yeah, it was just, it was a special time uh, for them to be there every step of the way and experience it while yeah. I was there. Yeah. Um, they may do a few road games as well, but I mean, 
I don't know how many other parents would have driven three and a half hours round trip on West Kentucky Parkway yeah. every other weekend. Yeah. And then you're t- another funny part that you, they would always bring Davis. The, oh, the, yeah. The, the, the dog, right? And your dad was laughing. He said that everyone kind of ended up knowing Davis at the games and stuff. And he'd go over to like the, the snack stand and be standing there waiting for hot dogs <laughs> and stuff like that. And just became kind of part of the culture there. Oh, yeah. I mean, my mom has a picture of people literally lined like he was there waiting for a hot dog to hit the ground and people lined up behind him. So it looks like he's standing in line, like waiting to make his order. Uh, he made it. Yeah, they they always stayed at the Best Western in Murray because they were pet friendly. And um, yeah, my dad uh, built a like a special stand when I was moving to and from Murray each year. He built like a special stand so Davis could ride in the front of like a box truck moving my stuff. I mean, that, that dog, he's no longer with us these days, but he was, he was, a, he was a real one. I love that. Um, next up, I've got a couple of uh, Brian Probst quotes here. Got, got to chat with him. Uh, he has some funny stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, he he kind of mentioned a story about you, you guys' first interaction when you, when you, when you got there about, there was some confusion over a chair, like it was your chair, or it was his chair in the locker room, and we don't have to go into it, but uh, it, he said how it started and how it ended were much different. He goes, I love him to death, a great teammate, great friend. He's a big old teddy bear after getting to know him. You know what I'm talking about? I have uh, I have a vague recollection of, of me being, like, trying to assert some, like, seniority dominance yeah. in the, the locker room. <laughs> Uh, and I remember I did it again senior year to a, a freshman recruit that I'm sure a couple people could talk, talk on. But He said, uh, not your, your, your stereotypical baseball player, could absolutely light it up at the plate, had a great approach, spread out, uh, and, and flat bat path. Uh, turned a double play extremely well as a first baseman. He did an absolutely outstanding job with that, was amazed by how good he got at that. Um, as good as he was his senior year, he could have even been better. Uh D Hill went down, had some back issues and, you know, mm-hmm. he lost some, lost some protection. Uh, one of the hardest working guys on the team, no nonsense on the field, a goofball at times off the field or at the right times, an amazing student. Um, he talked about, Oh, this was cool. This is, he called it the six classes story. Um, and he said, he was like talking to you about, or he was saying something like, Wes, how do you take so many classes or why do you sign up for so many classes? And you said, Oh, it's easy. I'm going to sign up for six classes. And I know I'm not going to like one, so I'm going to drop it. And that was kind of your mentality at times. Is that accurate? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely wanted to, to finish in, in the four years. And right. I, I, wanted to have a, I wanted to have a full plate. Uh, yeah. And so I would sign up for the max. Uh, that way I wasn't locked in. You know, if I, if, I, if I signed up just enough to be a full-time student, I'm kind of locked into those. Yeah. But uh, especially in history, man, a lot of, a lot of being able to, to really engage with the people you're you know, your audience, you've got to know what the hell you're doing. And some of these history professors are just as boring as people, you know, imagine. <laughs> it's it's bad. Last one, really good teammate. Glad he succeeded. Fun to watch him him and him take off there. Uh I've also got a couple noonie quotes here. Wanna wanna get through a couple noonies? Yeah. Uh knew who he was from high school. So you guys played together or played against each other in high school. Yeah. Our teams degree. were were the rival high schools. Yeah. And he said, that's what he said. He said, arch rival in high school. We knew him as the left-handed gorilla. Uh, he said, don't, don't put it <laughs> over the plate or he's going to take it deep. You know, always a big, strong, like intimidating guy. Uh, let's wait. Here we go. Was always super intimidating in high school. 
was a little unsure of him when I came to Murray, but then you come to realize, you know, he's this amazing, you know, warm, kind soul person. Uh, wasn't a better hitter in, in college out there his senior year. Could take any pitch deep, any location. It did not matter. He laughed about your, your famous line when people would be like, Wes, did you watch the game last night? And you go, I love sports balls. You know, that was kind of <laughs> your thing. Like, this guy doesn't really follow sports outside of playing it. You know, that was kind of his thing. Uh, you don't meet a lot of people like Wes, people that are truly authentic to themselves and genuine. Wes is exactly what he, what he gives you. He doesn't hide who he is. I, again, second that. Amazing. You know, that's an amazing thing. Uh, I've always thought that about you as well. Um, I've got, I mean, I've got, I'm, I'm loaded here for your junior year. I've also got some Tyler Owen stuff to go through, some Elliot Frey and some, and some decal stuff. Um, any more thoughts? So as this junior year, we'll get to those in a sec. As your junior year is unfolding here, are you thinking like, are, are you feeling this must be some of somewhat of an unconscious experience for you, like this huge jump. And now probably there's probably there's got to be scouts starting to come around at least or sniff around. And you got to be talk, thinking, you know, I have to go to a prospect league in the summer. This has got to be a big shift for you this year. Right. That really happened towards the you know middle to end of junior season. Um because I, you know, I had heard of summer ball. I've, I heard of guys going to cool places, and I thought it was nothing more than just like, oh, you're going to go play somewhere cool over the summer. You know, it's a, it's it's a fun experience. Yeah. Um. And then you know, through junior year, I start talking to teammates, and it's like, no, this is kind of this is a must. Yeah. To keep progressing, you know, Develop, you need yeah. like you can't take your time. You can't take time off. It's a chance for more people to see you. Yeah. Um. And uh, so that's when you know I started looking into where where we could play. Uh, four of us actually were able to go to the Jayhawk league. Um, it was me, KT, Craycraft, and, uh, Fry. Uh, El-, El Dorado Broncos. And the, yeah, El Dorado. They El will Dorado. correct you quickly. And it is, Excuse me. Uh, Excuse me. El Dorado is in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, not far from Wichita. <laughs> um, yep. but yeah, I, you know, I didn't really know much about what summer ball entailed. Uh, cause like I said, my, my other two experiences were very laid back and informal and, so this year, uh, I was fortunate enough to go with some some of my close friends. Uh, but yeah, about halfway through that junior year is when it kind of started to hit me. It's like, oh, like this could turn into something, you know, I, I need to kind of, uh, I need to kind of let this grow. I need to kind of cultivate. Yeah. The, I, you know, I, I can't just sit back anymore because this could be, uh, not that I was sitting back at any point, but like, you know, uh, this could be something, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. And junior year is, is when I made the switch to first base. Um, so I, I started, even though I wasn't, I was not a defensive, you know, a defensive all-star by any means. Right. Um, I did it did feel more feel, comfortable for you there? Well, it, it felt like I was contributing more Yeah. Um, to the team, you know, uh, because, you know, as a DH, as much as I love hitting, as much as I loved, you know, being able to just focus on good at bats, when you have a shitty game as a DH, it sucks that there's no other way for you to contribute to the success of the team. Yeah. You know, if, if you have a shitty day as a DA, as a first base, if you have a shitty day at the plate as a first baseman and you come out and you make a couple plays, you dig a ball out of the, you know, you pick a ball and you kind of save a bad throw, you save an inning. You're, you feel like you're part of the team contributing to that win. Yeah. Um, so that was big. And, and, I, I still didn't have anybody teaching me how to play infield. Uh, you know, m- m- the the closest thing to advice I got was Coach Mack was like, you used to be a catcher. If it looks like it's hard to field, just block Dig it. Dig it out. 
<laughs> yeah, and I was like, all right. So I'm just going to take a line drive to the chest. Um, uh, Probst mentioned, like, you know, I was actually t- surprisingly good at turning double plays. I think that was yeah. purely from my time catching, you know, kind of the quick yeah. release, throwing somebody out at second. Uh, and But it, it felt – it felt natural. Um, it felt like I was contributing. It felt, yeah. you know, I was, I was pretty good at picking the balls. I was, I was, you know, I could hold my own with the basics. I wasn't yeah. going to wow you with right. plays that were, you know, extraordinary, but you know, I was going to make the plays that should yeah. be made. And, um, and you probably had a really strong arm for a first baseman. And you had to have been probably the fastest first baseman in all of division one baseball, honestly. I did. And I, I think, that kind of helped me out uh, early on each season before the um, before the uh, scouting report made it around. People yeah. would be like, oh, you know, first baseman with big numbers, he's not going to be able to, to run as well. Right. This so I, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd be able to sneak in some bags <laughs> here and there and, you know, leg out a couple triples. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to get to the El Dorado stuff because I'm excited about that. But let me get through uh, some of these quotes and clips and we'll just kind of riff off there if you're cool yeah. with that. All right, it's T.O. time, buddy. He opened it up with uh, Westicles as well, so that nickname lives on. Uh, to see what he did in three years is hard to wrap your head around. These were truly video game numbers. Um, first impression of Wes, pretty big dude. Could tell he'd been in a weight room, shaved head, tattoos everywhere. Just an interesting guy, not your typical Coach Mac recruit. Like, who the heck is this dude? I got I to gotta talk to him and see what he's all about. I think a lot of us thought that, you know, kind of like, Huh, who is this? What's, what's going on with this guy? Uh, his appearance is just scratching the surface of what Wes is. Um, laughed about Wes hating jeans. We talked about the you know the suit tuxedo stuff. Um, let's see. We already played the Bach uh, clip. We already played uh, <laughs> senior year clip. Uh, his freshman year was some sort of an enigma. Like, it had never really happened. It was just such a magical moment. Uh, I barely remember him even taking BP. Seemed like he, he did... All he did his freshman year was, was catch bullpens. Uh, we didn't really even know what he was freshman year or, or what he was going to be. Um, oh, this is a funny story. So your, your senior year versus Midcon, you remember this? Oh, yeah. So this is interesting. <laughs> so after, so T.O. would have graduated uh, when you were a junior. Correct. And then he moved instantly into uh, coaching at Midcontinent University, which I believe is in Mayfield, Kentucky. And it was mm-hmm. an NAIA. They're, they're no longer a school as far as I know, right? Correct. And uh, Tyler Pittman, who, you know, a, a, a Murray State great as yes. well, was, was the pitching coach there. So anyway, they, they had a situation where you came up with the bases loaded, and uh, this clip is called Wes Barry Bonds. <laughs> Funny story about that. So my first year at Midcon, we, we weren't that great. Like, we, we kind of had a ragtag group, but, you know, we played hard, and we had some good kids. Um, yeah. but we were not we were not super talented, but yeah. you know we we go to Murray, and of course, I know all these guys that are still playing there because you know they were my my teammates and sure. um Pittman was on the the staff at Midcon and he was the pitching coach, right. and that was the main thing you know that we said going into that game against Murray. We were like, hey, we are not gonna let Cunningham beat us like I don't care if we walk this dude five times we're not gonna yeah. let him beat us so sure as shit later in the game bases loaded west comes up to bat <laughs> Pittman goes for a mound meeting has a talk star pitcher he comes back to the dugout 
And I go, what'd you tell him? He goes, I told him we're going to walk him on four pitches. <laughs> I said, I go, I go, we're giving this dude the Barry Bonds treatment. And Pittman goes, you're damn right. We are. <laughs> so this is, this is how bad it was. Our pitcher couldn't throw a ball. So of course, I think he, I think he throws like the first two, you know, out of the zone. He throws one, probably not a strike, but of course, Wes doesn't want to walk. Wes gets out on that front foot hits one into the parking lot and right, and me and Pittman just look at each other like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Isn't that great? Oh, man, I remember that game. Uh, because, I mean, you know, I was friends with T.O. and Pittman, and uh, yeah. that was uh, – I think that was – that series uh, was one of the first times I had ever seen Coach Matt give me the green light on 3-0. Really? Yeah, and I hit a home run, and uh, – yeah. Uh, I remember, like, I could overhear Pittman calling his team out, like, I told you all not to give up anything to hit. <laughs> but T.O. was right, man. I, I didn't want to walk. I didn't want, you know, I if you made it close, if I could get my barrel on it, I was going to try to find a way. Yeah, love that. Uh, next clip is called T.O. Barrel to Ball Skills. But one thing that I was always super impressed with Wes was just, his ability, just the, you know, the, the hand-eye coordination and just his ability to put the bat on the ball. Like, because, yeah. you know, Wes did not have a pretty swing, and he would be the no. first to tell you that. Like, because, yeah. you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a coach. Like, I love the offensive side of hitting, and I love the mechanical side, the mental approach, all that. And Wes yeah. will be the first person to tell you that mechanically, like, he did everything wrong. Like, there was not one fundamentally sound thing about his swing. <laughs> yeah, but, but he could just do but it. Just his, yeah, just his ability to put the barrel on the ball, I mean, it was just next level. And I remember being super impressed with that, like, even his sophomore year. Like, you know, even though his the power numbers weren't there, you could see, like, man, this guy has the ability to – to get some hits like his ability yeah. to put the ball in play totally agree you had a, an innate ability to get that barrel on the ball you just could do it man it, it, it's funny because i'm glad to hear that that you know that people kind of like what we've been talking about this whole time like you know i've never been shy about uh you know I, i've never tried to portray myself as like I was, I had such a beautiful swing. I was such a great defense that, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I like T.O. said, and like, uh, you know, McFarland said, like all these guys, like I'll be the first to tell you, like it on paper, or, you know, if you took a video of, of me, you know, in these games, it'd be like, no, that, that, something's not, something's not <laughs> mathing right. You know, like these, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Uh but like, you know, like I was saying, it was all about like kind of figuring out like, all right, I can't change my swing to, to be fundamentally perfect. I'm not going to be, I'm not, that's not how I succeed. That's not how you I'm going to have a perfect swing work. for you though. Your perfect exactly. West swing. It's like, it's like, all right. Your authentic so West swing. Instead of changing my swing to meet the fundamentals, I'm just going to, you know, change my approach and my, make my weird swing work. Were you looking fastball or what was your, or were you, did you ever guess pitches or I was, your thoughts there? I was always sitting 90% of the time I was sitting fastball. Um, yep. I think one thing that, 
you know, Murray is, was, you know, a mid-level D1. Um, right. You know, we, you know, we weren't the, the SECs out there, but uh, I think one of the fundamental approaches that a lot of people had is when they'd see somebody with numbers, they'd see somebody, you know, coming up who's, who's the best hitter on the team, you know, right. they're, they're pitching them away. They're pitching them away. Well, that was, that's, that, that was where I, you know, that's where I was looking. That's where I was succeeding. Yeah. You know, I, I liked right. that pitch on the, on the outer half of the plate. Um, I early on um, change-ups were my kryptonite. Um, and then the more that I kind of uh, made my swing work, you know, that's when me being able to keep my hands back allowed me to make up for me being fooled on change-ups. Um, yeah. I was never great at hitting breaking pitches. Um, mm-hmm. That was something that, uh, I struggled with all the way throughout my career. Um, but back, you know, der- most of the people I approached, you know, their approaches to a power hitting lefty was, you know, let's paint the outside corner. Let's hit him with some yeah. change up, some off speed, you know, stuff that that's going to get him out in his front foot. And yeah. that was stuff I was able to, to make work. Yeah. That's funny. All right. Uh, continuing on with some, with some TO quotes, uh, Dude was seriously fast. He could really run. He beat out a ton of infield hits. Uh, when Wes got in the weight room, he wasn't messing. He wasn't there to mess around. You put up some impressive and heavy weight. He got really big and strong his junior senior year. I've always wondered about his hand forearm strength. This is interesting. And if there was a correlation uh, from drumming, uh, just constantly having that grip and, and beating on it and whatnot. And he, no one else brought up that. I thought that was an interesting thought. I don't know. Is there anything to that? I I've never thought about that, but it, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Uh, and like de- dexterity and strength and and I I put a lot of emphasis on you know forearm strength because my swing you know relied so heavily on keeping my hands back and my wrist you know my bat speed being able to make up for the fact that the my body was fooled or that I was out in front yeah. or that um. So I, it's funny. I literally was just having this conversation with my wife the other day. Uh, I got some new, um, you know, like grip strength and some forearm things for yeah. to to have at the at the house while we're watching movies and stuff. And yeah. um, she was like, "Why are you? What's really the point of working out your forearms?" And I was like, "I don't really understand a point now, but I used to pride myself on them because it was a big part of you know what I view as my yeah. success as a hitter." Uh, and then I was like, plus they, I just think good forearms just look good. A hundred percent. Dude. Someone, someone walks in the room with some forms that mean business. Yeah, man, dude. But, uh, yeah, I've never put the, put two and two together, the drumming. Cause that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could tell Wes loved the weight room. Wes had so many interests outside of baseball. Uh, dude was an absolutely brilliant student. Uh, you and I basically took classes. You're talking to me. Uh, easy classes and majored in baseball. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not celebrating that. That's just how it was. Looking back, I wish I could have done it different. Uh, Wes was like double majoring in history and archaeology and taking full course loads. Uh, he didn't have all the extra baseball stuff in his head that made him overthink it. Cool. Uh, he had simple thoughts like put the bat on the ball. Your your, your three things. Uh, oppositely, I would research mechanics and watch video and probably had too much in my head. And Wes just had you know one thing. You know, bat on the ball essentially. Some of the most successful hitters i've ever known have kept it simple like that and that's i I love that you're that you're such an analytical thinker guy outside of baseball but you could just shut it down when you got in that batter's box and that's a beautiful thing yeah and i i wish that i could have like you know 
a a course of action to be able to have that approach. But like, I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming just kind of stemmed out of, you know, loving the sport and loving playing the game, but never being, you know, fully engrossed in, in watching the game or fandom or things like that. Yeah. Uh, KT and I, when we lived together junior and senior year, he used to joke, he was like, man, you're, you're going to be the guy that, that, that makes it. And you're going to be facing some like all-star pitcher and not think twice. Cause you don't know who the hell he is. Exactly. You know? <laughs> like, I don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> and like <laughs> my, I've never watched more baseball than I did uh, when I lived with KT. Cause he had, you know, every St. Louis Cardinals game was on at our house, yeah. but uh, right. yeah, it, I wish I, I could, I, I knew how to, you know, cultivate that mentality, but, it just, I guess, came naturally because I, I yeah. never, I never knew how to analyze baseball. Yeah. I never knew how to overthink yeah. baseball, so I never did. That's and, a good thing. Uh, wow. You know, on the flip side, you know, like To said, like he would, you know, he was so knowledgeable about the game and and you know lived yeah. for the game so much. Uh, one year, he even made his walkout song, uh, Three Little Birds." Don't worry, be happy. Um, because he was like, I need something just to like get me in a positive mental state when I go yeah. to step in the batter's box because uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm there's a million things going in my head. Yeah, you know, T.O. and I privately have discussed kind of looking back on our career sometimes, and I think both of us, myself included, struggle with some things like that. You know, believing in yourself at times and confidence and overthinking and having so much information that you're paralyzed, you know, paralysis by analysis in some ways. And I probably probably KT falls under some of that too. Like he knew so much about baseball that there was so much information in his head. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and, you know, he was, he was such a, a prospect and like, you know, yeah. he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't, I don't think have said it outright, but I think he would say it now that like, you know, in his head, he was, he was trying to live up to, you know, to a certain standard. He, he yeah. always knew he was going to, you know, reach a certain level. Um, And when you, I I think when you have that uh, expectation with the over analytical baseball mind, you you know, you can sometimes get in your own head. hundred percent. And before we move on from these guys, I want to say both KT and TO, you know, for whatever reason, I I know both of these guys had pro aspirations and I think Baseball is such a, a crazy game of timing and being in the right place at the right time. All these factors, right? I definitely think T.O. And, 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 and K.T. both had pro-level tools and, and, and could have played pro ball under different, you know, just the, the stars had lined up a little differently. So I just, I've always wanted to say that. I thought they were absolutely phenomenal baseball players, you know. And I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, I was fortunate enough to play with Kyle for four collegiate years plus a summer league and T.O. for three years. And, you know, I – I'd take them over some guys I played with professionally any day of the week, right? you know, and 100%. other guys maybe got a look because they played somewhere else or they, you know, they looked get looked better on some film or, you know what I'm saying? It's, it, yeah, it's such a fickle sport. It is crazy. Uh, two more TO quotes here. How are we doing on time? You getting close? Uh, yeah. If we get to a, a natural point here soon, we do. So uh, let's, let's finish. Uh, we've got, uh, Fry or Frey and then decal and then we'll we'll just roll out of that. Perfect. Cool. All right. We'll, we'll finish our TO quotes. Wes is a different breed of human. The last 
the last thing I'm thinking about doing while I'm drinking is lifting. I can't wait to get to this. I keep saying this. Uh, I really don't know how he did it. One of the cool things about the breads from our era was how close we were. Multiple people said this. To this day, it's special. Even outsiders notice it, how just tight-knit and how much, you know, these guys loved each other. Like kind of the core group of those dirty breads. And Mm -hmm. yeah, special group of guys for sure. Oh, yeah. I I could not agree more. T.O. is great. Now, here we go. Elliot, and he was amazing, man. Like, he, I had a great time talking with him. I hadn't spoken with him probably since I left Murray. So, and you guys were, were teammates for – he would have come a year after you, so three years. Three years, and he's also one of the ones who uh, went to Kansas with me. Right. Here we go. So, uh, when I was an incoming freshman, same dorm, um, one of the first guys that I, I met when I got to Murray, first thing that stands out about Wes is his size, his huge build. He carries himself with uh, – with, with, with confidence, a swagger, very outgoing, personable, fun to be around guy. The longer I knew him, the new, the longer I knew him, it was fun to see how that confidence, that swagger translated onto the field. Here we, we got a cool one here. Fry, uh, the strides mess with the strides West made. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, had, had never seen strides um, from any sort of player, you know, in, in my, in my entire time playing a lot of times you, you kind of, play with a guy for a little bit you, you really kind of get to know what he's got and and, and that's right. what's expected whereas whereas Wes was each year he returned to Murray State he was an absolute different player and he yeah. got better in every year and I, I feel like you know looking back that um you know Wes he was always gifted with speed and he was a lefty yeah. right so I feel like I don't know yep. what impression coaches maybe made before uh, his time at Murray State but it was always hey I have speed and I'm going to hit as soon as I make contact, I'm worried about running the first base. And I, I feel like yeah. as you mentioned that, that quiet 380, that was that mindset. And then, you know, yeah. coaching staff and being around other players at the collegiate level and Wes, you know, coming into himself and understanding his ability to, to drive the baseball and, and hit for power, like yeah. seeing that unfold that following year was, was pretty incredible. And then yeah. to have a, to have a third year to, to go from infield hits, loop singles using speed, to learning how to, to, to drive the gap, hit for some yeah. power, and then that his final year, his senior year, to rewrite the, the record books and home runs yeah. and slugging percentage and, and extra base hits. It, it was uh, an absolutely incredible uh, thing yeah. to witness. And yeah, I mean, just, just kind of his overall, his overall being in, in that he, yeah. he wasn't, uh, you know, for a Division one baseball player – he didn't live baseball, right? He, he, he no. was able to compartmentalize the sport, uh, oh, compartmentalize that. that aspect of his life. And, you know, where a lot of guys can get, Hey, I'm a division one baseball player. This is what I, this is what, what brought me here. This is what I want to do for my career. You know, that, yeah. that drive that some guys have and can kind of get wrapped around the axle where, where Wes was able to compartmentalize and, yeah. and, and, think that provided a kind of a balance in his life where yeah. he, he didn't get overly consumed. He, yeah. he, he had a life outside of baseball hobbies. You know, he was a drummer in a band and had passions yeah. uh, outside of the sport. And, and I think that balance can really um, be healthy for, for players at, yeah. at that level oh. where the pressure is high. Um, yeah. and, and I think that helped Wes really do. That's a cool one. Then our final, uh, Fred clip here diligent worker here we go 100 percent, yeah extremely diligent um unmatched in the weight room not only just his physical stature and and yeah. you know throwing weight around but his 
his drive, his uh, ability to uh, be dedicated and, and carry himself with uh, just a level of positivity that uh, yeah. that not a lot of had. Right, a lot of guys, you know, view that time as you know, put in a hard practice and then you got to go put another hour in the weight room. Whereas Wes, you know, always carried himself with with grace, yeah. positivity, um, and, and yeah, I mean, it was just he just kind of exuded this light that that guys gravitated toward. Okay. Um, I felt that drive that that drove his work ethic. He he had the natural ability, but also the mindset that he that he put toward everything he did. Pre pre touching. That is man. Um, and you know his his him talking about the you know kind of compartmentalizing and, and being able to, uh, you know, not distract but remove myself from sometimes the pressures of, of baseball with other hobbies. That was something that. Uh, made the move to professional ball it made it a little harder you know because uh-huh. because i mean you get you know you that get the professional it's all baseball you can't yeah. bring hobbies with you you're not no. living anywhere permanently you have to be able to pack your bags up and move at the drop yeah. of a hat um and so there were times that i found myself uh it was very foreign to me but i found myself dwelling on you know, an yeah. error here or a bad game here because I had nothing, you know, it was, all right, I'm just right. going to go sit in a hotel room or I'm going to sit in right. my crappy apartment. Right. You didn't have some project at school to work on or you didn't exactly. have, you know, you weren't going out and drumming. You can't take your drums with you in the minus. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and it, you know, and yeah, there, it's interesting. And I had never really thought about that until just hearing him bring that up that, wow. you know, that like, yeah, I, I didn't think about it as, because I, I definitely never approached anything I was doing outside of baseball as like a distraction by any means. It was just another extension of, of who I was and who yeah. I am. Um, but they kind of operated in some ways as a, a, a way for me to, you know, put my focus elsewhere and come back to this when I'm ready to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, with not to say that that was ever, you know, a large, like, hurdle I couldn't get over but I specifically remember times where it was you know I I would be down for longer than I was used to and it was very foreign and it was very kind of disconcerting at times yeah baseball's Um, a brutal sport man she's a she's a cruel mistress she is man but I still love her (laughs) yeah dude you and me you uh I I, I don't I'm not gonna to to jump ahead of uh, of of anything here, but I I was reading over the some of the questions and stuff, and one thing uh, that you wrote or that that you had on there was uh, dreaming about baseball, and I'm not gonna go into it too much, but you know, for somebody who's you know kind of one of the reoccurring themes today is you know I didn't really watch baseball, didn't really think about it too much. It crosses my mind more subconsciously than I ever would have, than it ever did before, and than I ever would have thought it does. Isn't that trippy? Yeah, it, it, it is, and we can we'll jump into that more when when it when the time because I I, I love that foreshadowing. That's cool. Yeah, I, I've got I've got some thoughts. Okay. I didn't even think about it until you wrote it down. Well, perfect. Yeah, that was going to be my my last question on our Q and A. So I always finish with a kind of funny some some serious some 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 not serious questions at the end. This is perfect. We're going to let Decal take us out here. Perfect. Love this guy. You know, he ended up, you know, playing, had a nice career in in the Cardinals minor league system. Just a funny guy. One of the, one of the funniest teammates I've ever had. One of of the best, man. You could be having a shitty day and come out and he'll just, he'll put you right. He's Mr. Sunshine, right? All right. Mm -hmm. Decal, the big stupid idiot. All right, here we go. (laughs) Uh, 
uh, when I called him, he goes, man, I'm slanging cardboard, hopes and dreams. Anyway, all right, here we go. <laughs> First impression of Wes, uh, a different breed, similar to me in some aspects, totally opposite in others. And I kind of agree. Uh, most of the time, calm, cool, and collected, laid back, but didn't hold anything back when he was frustrated. I think he had a really good balance there. Uh, great at not great at not pressing in baseball. He cared, but uh, he wouldn't let it get to him, or and he would let it go and be laid back again. Uh, he, this is funny. Wes at Murray State grew a lot in tattoos, size, strength, and speed. Uh, <laughs> made quick work in the weight room, really took to it. First didn't strike me that he was going to become what he was going to become. Crazy what he turned into. Uh, we had a good laugh about your dress pants. That's, you know, the reoccurring. <laughs> Everyone loves the dress pants. Uh, could have been higher rounds or gotten more money. Had he been a junior when he got drafted, um, the red shirt, that's the whole senior sign stuff. We kind of touched mm-hmm. on that. I think we put that to bed mostly. Uh, crazy to think that what he could have done with another year of eligibility stat wise. That is interesting to think of. Like you rewrote the book, the record books in three years, essentially. Uh, had a ton of hustle hits as a sophomore. Didn't have much of a home defensively while I was there. Uh, I think you, you got to that, you know, first base after he left, essentially. Uh, he could hit a four chopper to second and beat it out. Nub it off the bat and beat it out. Hit it out of the park as well. Uh, crazy how well-rounded he got quickly. Blows my mind how much he jumps year-to-year progression-wise. West saved me multiple times in my season when I got drafted. You know, he'd hit a key home run. And he'd come in and say something like, hey, can't let you lose this game, buddy. Uh, grew so much as a team leader, a vocal guy. Uh, but not a vocal guy at the same time. He was there when, when you needed him. Uh, seemed like Wes never had a bad game or a bad day. Never missed a beat as a player or a teammate. Everything he hit had a chance to do th- something from a chopper to a bomb. He was exciting to watch. His weight room stuff was a lot deeper than many people would see or understand. I used to admire him from my naps on the leg press machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Wes and KT were animals, always getting extra work. A great combo, great team. Um, I like to think his weight room stuff did a ton for his career, his power, his speed. He was well-built, but not overly built. You know, he had a good amount of muscle. But, you know, you can get too, too you know, muscle-bound in mm-hmm. baseball. Uh, it made him quicker, not slower. Uh, nothing ever slowed Wes down. Um, love Wes on and off the field. He deserves everything he got. He pushed the right amount off the field. We had a lot of good stories that we can't share on here. And then, so this is the perfect ending spot for us, don't you think? You got to get out of here. I agree. I I think this is a good spot. This is a perfect spot. Uh, I've got a decal. Uh, This is perfect. This is a a little clip. I've got a name for it, but I'm not going to say it because he kind of reveals the name at the end. But So I'm going to go ahead and play this, and then we're going to get on out of here. We'll pick it up here again soon, buddy. All right? Perfect. Sounds good, man. Here we go. Uh, His character. His yeah. character for sure, man. He uh, he's he's one of those guys. Everybody loved him, you yeah. know. He he'd put you in your place in a heartbeat, like if he felt like you were doing something wrong. But I mean, just his character alone. Like I said before, he uh, he was really good at, at saying a lot without saying a lot. Um, yeah. You know, he he was a good he was a good team leader that just got you know kind of got you fired up just quietly. And then he was also a guy, you know. He's his downtime. He's going to get some more tattoos. He's He's going for a drive, you know. He's almost yeah. like a like a, a meathead, but he's also like a poet too. Like I don't know. I don't well know if said. that's the right nope, way to say, perfect. but it kinda yeah, it kinda perfect. is, man. Like he's a, he's a really smart guy as well. Yeah. So like just well rounded all around, not even just through baseball, but yeah. like I don't know. It's it's hard to put you can't put one tag on Wes. He wasn't a meathead. 
You know, I, he was he I wasn't think a, had, a, a, I think oh, a man. Me had, me, me had pub me had poet covers it. I think that's really yeah, right. yeah, seriously. Yeah. Me had poet. That that might be the name of this episode. I'm not sure, but all right, Wes. I'm gonna let you get out of here, brother, and we'll pick it all up. All right, soon. man. All love, man. This was so much dang fun. I can't wait to yes, pick it up. Yes, sir. Again. I can't wait, man. I'll right. talk to you later. Post game spread. We're out of here.